Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome to episode 277 of Geek Town Radio. I'm back this week with... Gray, how are you doing? I'm good. Hello, Dave. How are you? I'm good. It's it's getting colder, but nice indoors. So, you know... <laughs> <laughs> it not... is extremely cold, but obviously we're just not used to it yet. It's going to get colder. <laughs> yes, yes. But, you know, locked away indoors anyway. So, you know, yeah. who cares? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so uh, what have you been up to in the last few weeks? It's actually been quite quiet. I know that obviously we've just entered the, the second lockdown. We're two weeks in now as we're recording this, and we've got another two weeks to go. I haven't actually been watching as much as I thought. I I know when I was checking my notes, I was like, oh, I haven't actually watched. I've been watching bits and pieces here and there and doing a lot of the weekly satire, like Have I Not Got News For You and um, Mock The Week. So once that's out of the way, I haven't completed much. Um, I finished The Boys about a week and a half ago, season two. I was a bit slow. I did it week by week and then I just, a few weeks fell in between a couple of episodes and in the end I had to binge the last two together just so I could be up to date. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. I was so shocked about the character arc of one particular character, not for people who still haven't watched it, I won't spoil. Um, <laughs> I, I really like this character at the start. And I remember in like episode two, like, oh, what a brilliant addition to the cast. How shocked yes. was I as, as, as it sort of evolved? But I liked how they evolved that story and where they could put, possibly go as they move forward. Um, so I'm very much looking forward to that and the associated spin-offs that I'm, I'm hearing are in the works, which is quite exciting. Yes. Um, so yeah, Max. Now I saw this advertised and I did know that they tried to broadcast one episode at the start of March, I think, or April. Yeah. And they held it back and put it out. Yeah. It was first broadcast. The first episode went out on E4, got horrendous numbers, basically because it was right at the start of lockdown and people were a bit kind of dazed and confused about exactly what they were kind of doing and watching. And, you know, it was just a very weird time. Yeah. And they uh, E4 pulled a load of stuff. And uh, one of the things it pulled was Max and it then resurfaced on Channel 4 this week so yeah I didn't dislike it I I didn't (laughs) rave about it it was ample viewing I could see what he was trying to do he plays a lot on the popular culture of like the record industry and he's got some really good casts in there and actually I may have just not been in the right frame of mind to be receiving it but 
I think it did well. And I, I'm not sure if it's in commission for a second season. I can see where they can go with it. He's a very dislikable character. They've got some nice little subplots going along the lines with his um, adopted son and his sort of the manager who comes in to try and look after him. And, you know, it's harmless. I'm very much yeah, on the fence. I'm not loving it. I'm not hating it. I It was okay. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's not the sort of rave review I suspect they were hoping for. Yeah. But uh, no. uh, yeah, I mean, I haven't actually started watching this yet. It didn't massively appeal to me, in all honesty. I have a feeling this is going to be one of those E4 Channel 4 shows that doesn't make it out of one season. Unless it played really well because it aired in the US. I can't yeah, remember I was which. Say, did it do the US first during this first lockdown and then has come back to us? Yeah, yeah, it did. It went out on Hulu over there. I mean, if it did well on Hulu, maybe it will get a second season. But yeah, I mean, it was yeah. a British made show. So. And you have, to, you have to know the UK music industry, in my opinion, for some of it. Right. You have to sort of know some of the background to like our boy band systems and things like that. And mm. yeah, anyway, yeah, it's, it's, uh, yeah, much of a muchness. The next series I finished was Unsolved Mysteries, the second half. Yeah. Um, I enjoyed every episode apart from I didn't complete one of them. And that was the flood episode based in Japan. Yeah. Um, now, that's where I dropped out because I haven't yeah. gone back and watched the rest of it. I'm glad you've said that because yeah. that one really didn't grip me a- at all. And I we was were, finding that yeah, was 25 hard minutes in and there just wasn't anything like, so I stopped it. I took about a week to go back to it. And in the end, I thought, you know what? I'm not going to go back and continue watching that one. I'm going to move on to the next one. Yeah, I think that's probably what I'll do. Um, yeah, and actually the, the last ones were absolutely fine, but that one really didn't hit home. And I know they did it in the previous episode um, with one based in France, but that one was much more gripping. Mm. Um, and I get what they're trying to do, the international, but there was just nothing driving me to want to work out where they were going with the story. But good sort of lovely documentary the sort of stuff I really like and you know to sit there and try and work out if you know the outcomes and things like that so Mm. uh, uh, that's been really good Um, and the other thing I've watched it it dropped weekly on Comedy Central was Lisa Tarbuck's Comedy Game Night which is it's developed from the Hollywood Game Night which they do in America and they did a sort of um, a pilot episode last year and I think the team captains at the time were Susan Cowman and Mickey Flanagan yeah. Uh, or, or Danny Baker and Susan Cameron, something like that. And they did the pilot. And obviously I really liked the pilot. And I was like, oh, I wonder how they're going to bring that back. And they brought it back in a COVID safe way. The new team captains were Guz Khan and um, Sue from Mel and Sue, Sue Perkins. Right. Yeah. And I really enjoyed it. And it was, sounds really odd, but it was my sort of lunchtime program. So I, when I'd finished work and go out into the lounge, I put it on and you could eat lunch to it and you could laugh and you could have a go at some of the games and the range of celebrity guests they had on. Now, this was 10 episodes and each episode had to have six guests, three for Sue's team and three for Guz's. You had 60 celebrities from a huge range of industries. Mm. And some of them were just not the normal crowd. Like you would never see them on a panel show. Right. And they'd obviously agreed. And they were, they came across really well, some of them. And you just think I've never, you know, you've not done the, the same stream of panel shows that you all do. And you can turn on and always see a Tom Allen, or you can always turn on and see Nathan Caton, or they're always yeah. the same sort of people these were new people and actually it was really good and i really hope that comes back and i don't you know they did it covid safe and so you could see if they could do it non you know in the normal situation if the vaccine all goes through a very good show yeah 
Awesome. Yeah. I, I missed that completely, but uh, that does sound like quite a fun one. Uh, pointless yeah. has become my eating show. Uh, <laughs> as a former pointless contestant, Dave. Were you really? Yeah. I, I don't. I don't watch it anymore. But yes, I used to watch it. I um, never knew that. Then I, then I appeared on it uh, back in 2012, I think. 2012. Wow. Yeah. And then uh, I didn't really watch it after that. I get occasional episodes of Celebrity Pointless. I'll watch on a Saturday, but. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, put me off from watching that again. <laughs> How well did you do? <laughs> uh, we got to the final, but we didn't succeed in the final. So, <laughs> and I'm not going to tell you what my specialist subject is, so that'll embarrass me. <laughs> so uh, you got to, you got to the final in that you have a pointless trophy. I do have a pointless trophy. It's wow. on my book, yes. <laughs> Can I have that in my bio now on Geek Town, everybody? Absolutely. I, I, shall, I shall add that to your bio of, of uh, Grey being pointless. Yes. Yeah. I was also on The Weakest Link back in the day. So I, I, I'm a real sort of legend. This is going Whoa. off key. There you go. There's my little celebrity status to it as well. Amazing. Uh, and the final thing I'll talk about, I finished just this week, was FBI. Um, I really fell in love with this episode, I think, uh, this season. Um, I started watching it just in lockdown it was something that just came on in the background I was like oh, I haven't watched this I like an odd procedural and then I really got it sort of enthralled in the stories between like Maggie and OA who are the lead characters and then Maggie was getting bigger and bigger because the actress in real life fell pregnant during the second season <laughs> and then she, and so you, you get really invested in like the actors and the characters and then in the last episode which you could tell was cut short because of COVID they attempt to do this sort of mini crossover with someone from Chicago PD they bring a Chicago PD character in because it's all part of the same universe. Yes. Um, and, and, you know, it was really good. It wasn't a classic end of season episode and you know the yeah. beginning of the episode will have to cover Maggie's return from, we all know it's from maternity leave, but, you know, she went deep undercover right. for, for a project as they do. But no, absolutely harmless procedural fun. It's got me watching the FBI Most Wanted as well. Really enjoyed that and I'm always a fan of a procedural. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's basically what I've been watching, sort of ticking along some of the programs picked up a couple of new things uh, Friday Night Dinner on Netflix I'd never watched that when it was broadcast and, no. uh, yeah, and that's about that's about me so uh, Dave what have you been doing hopefully you've had more success than me uh, well kind of a couple of new things still watching The Crown which I just got to the uh, Fagin episode which is the guy that broke in to Buckingham Palace and got into the bedroom of the Queen in the sort of early 80s. That's fascinating, that episode. I thought that was brilliantly done. I know this season has come under some criticism for the way that it's messed around with the timeline a bit and, you know, how they've conflated events together and that sort of stuff for dramatic effect. But I'm fine with all that. I mean, there were things that happened around that time. That particular episode features this guy who, you know, it's the middle of Thatcher's sort of austerity measures and he's trying to get some answers to some questions he has about the way that society is being run and he goes to his MP and he goes to other people's and eventually he just thinks screw it I'm going to go and talk to the Queen and that seems to have been his motivation for breaking in and uh, he ends up in the Queen's bedroom and has a conversation with her that episode I, I just thought was so brilliantly done there's a lot of stuff as well this series 
series, which is the Charles and Diana story. And it's interesting to seeing how they're handling that. And of course, sort of Camilla lurking in the background as well. They're doing a fantastic job. I think the acting is superb. Gillian Anderson as Margaret Thatcher is just brilliant. Really, really enjoying that series so far. It's well, well worth watching. The thing that's mainly been taking up my time this week is The Vow, which I talked a little bit about last week. I've actually now finished it because you can get it all on demand, although it is going out weekly. I mean, what a crazy, phenomenal series that was. Have you seen any of this yet? No, I was I was reading a bit about it when you sent me over the notes previously, but I hadn't I hadn't heard of it. I didn't hadn't come across it. Not even sort of came across any of my Twitter or anything like that. Really? So, um, yeah, no. Tell me more about it. So, okay, are you aware of this group called Nixium, who are essentially a cult? It was set up by a guy called Keith Ranieri and a woman named Nancy. Saltzman. And it uses a system called neuro-linguistic programming, which is known as NLP. And essentially Mm. what they do is it's designed as a set of courses that are sort of wrapped up in NLP as a way of improving and bettering things that you want to improve in your life. So it's marketed as improvement courses for executives, essentially. That's where it first started. So it starts out as that. The basic premise of the entire thing is what if somebody, basically a misogynist, takes a tool like NLP and weaponizes it and then mixes it in with the pyramid scheme. And that's what Nixium ends up becoming. Whilst there are these courses, it's one of these things where you go in and they try and get members to bring more people in. There are are levels as you improve and get better, where you advance along this path and they have these kind of uh, scarf things that they wear that take you up to various different levels, much like the sort of thing that you hear in things like Scientology and, and that sort of stuff as well. Although they try to argue that it is very much based in science and not in sort of some sort of woo-woo religious stuff. Uh. The problem is there is a group within Nixium called DOS and that essentially was a sex cult with they go on to explain who they think is at the head of it and, and who are the people involved in it. That is the thing that got into the newspapers. The other th- reason why Nixium became quite well known is there were some very famous or reasonably famous well-known faces involved with it. The most notable one being Alison Mack, who is from... I, I remember hearing a name uh, a few months back about about being involved in a cult. I didn't know it was this one at all, and I didn't even know there was a documentary on it yet. So Yeah, there's yeah. actually a couple of documentaries, but uh, this is the sort of big HBO one. So Alison Mack, who is in Smallville, who actually was was charged with some of the things that went on in the cult. So there's her, Bonnie Plessy, who was probably best known as playing the young Aunt Beru in the Star Wars movies. Sarah Edmondson, who has been in things like Continuum and uh, Stargate and has had a couple of other roles. Catherine Oxenberg, who wasn't involved directly. She was one of the stars of Dynasty. Her daughter, India, was very involved in the cult. There's various other people that had sort of tangential connections to it, like some of the other Smallville cast. Some people from Battlestar Galactica were brought in as well. And a lot of the footage 
that they get comes from a guy called Mark Vicente, who is uh, Bonnie's husband, who had been involved for a very long time, actually was, I think, was the person that introduced Bonnie into it. And he was a independent filmmaker who Keith Ranieri kind of latched onto and got him to shoot quite a lot of stuff inside the cult. It's publicity material. So a lot of the stuff that the documentary makers have used is stuff that was shot by Mark and various other people that within the cult because he, he was in control of the things that were shot. So there are interviews directly with Keith Ranieri and, and with Nancy and with all the people involved. And it starts off fairly slow. The first episode is sort of explaining what this organisation was and what it was set up to be. And it's not until sort of towards the end of that episode that Bonnie actually raises a red flag that there is something strange going on. And then the next couple of episodes, it slowly starts to kind of snowball and then it just hits this point where they realise they need to start removing people and getting people out and start really warning stuff about it. And it just accelerates and accelerates all the way through it. It's really fascinating. It ends in a very odd way because there is a second season of it. So you don't get, you know, I was expecting a title card of, you know, Keith Ranieri was sentenced to X amount in prison. He has actually been sentenced now, but he might not have been when they finished the documentary. But I was expecting sort of title cards and and that sort of being it. But it ends with a very odd sort of statement of a voicemail from Keith Ranieri. And that seems to be setting up where they may go for the second season. Did Alison Mack appear? Yeah, it's she is in the footage. Alison Mack is in a lot of the footage and there are interviews to camera because she did interviews to camera for Mark, you know, talking about Nexium and stuff. So she does appear, but not not talking about it in terms of the thing being a cult, because of course the people in it don't see it that way. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, she is in it. Where is it on the UK TV? Is, if it's HBO Max, is it being streamed anywhere at the moment? It is on Now TV, so you can get it on Now TV. It is also on the Sky Documentaries channel and on demand as well. Sky Documentaries, that's probably where I need to look for it. That doesn't come up on my suggested TV programs very often documentaries so um, no no it's understandably. fascinating it is brilliant and it gets very bingeable as well because as I say it is going out weekly at the moment and I think they've just put the second episode out weekly but you can go on and just binge your way through it it's uh, and the, that has been taking up most of my week because I was going to go back and watch more of The Crown and then I thought oh well just watch an episode of The Vow and then just got massively hooked by it sometimes um, things like that just take over <laughs> yeah it's been really fascinating i've had a couple of friends which i've suggesting it to as well one of whom is actually a legitimate nlp practitioner and i messaged him going you have to watch this i think you'll find it fascinating it's been really interesting seeing him talking about it as well because yeah this is what part of what he does for a living mm. uh, so uh, yeah it, it's really interesting seeing those techniques used in that way and uh, you know as i say weaponizing it in some ways it's a phenomenal phenomenal documentary it's well well worth going to watch if you've not caught that the other thing i started watching this week was for life which is uh, nicholas pinnock following in the long tradition of stealing american actors roles as a british actor he plays a convict who is fighting to overturn his wrongful life conviction to do that he passes the bar and ends up representing other criminals in court and it is based on a true life story as well it's a really solid courtroom procedural that is all on demand as well although they are putting that out weekly Nicholas Pinnock's has got flawless American accent in it it was like really really quite good that's one definitely I would recommend well acted interesting group of characters 
that they're sort of setting up. I'm not sure how closely it sticks to the real life story of the guy and where it diverts for dramatic effect. But I think it's an interesting premise in terms of a setup and makes for a sort of different thing for a courtroom drama. So uh, if you like procedurals, that's definitely one to watch. I think that's uh, Sky Witness that's going out on. But again, on all, all on demand and all on Now TV. If you want to go watch that as a box set. The other thing I did this week was a Zoom gig. It was my first Zoom gig, which was Boothby Graffo, who some people might know. He's a musician and also a comedian as well. So uh, he's very, very funny. And he had Adam Hills from The Last Leg on as a guest. And the sort of original premise of him doing these online gigs was the idea of trading songs with somebody else. But then he started getting other more comedians on who aren't necessarily entirely musically inclined. I mean, Adam is slightly. It was just very funny watching the two of them for sort of an hour and a bit, just bantering backwards and forwards and trading stories. Adam was doing, as his musical contribution, national anthems to famous songs from the country. So ends on summer of 69 to the words of the Canadian national anthem by Brian Adams which is just very very funny but uh, yeah so I thoroughly enjoy him and uh, it was relatively cheap it was like £10 but uh, he has various guests on he's had people like Stuart Lee on and uh, various other people so if you want like a good time and something that you can sit and watch a gig from your own home I'd heartily recommend watching the Boothby Graffo gigs because they are brilliantly funny and uh, if you just google Boothby Graffo you'll go and find where he's doing them and where you can buy tickets and stuff but definitely well worth watching have you done any any Zoom gigs since you've been in lockdown? I got a link for the Sarah Milliken one. She was doing one right. quite regularly with all of her comedian friends, but yeah. it just never seemed to fall on a week that I was available. And then things sort of got back to semi-normal. So they started to about to rest it and then they brought it back again just for this one. But I still haven't done one, no. I, I got talked into a Zoom quiz this week for the first time since <laughs> forever. And I found myself doing that. And I surprisingly had a good time. I was like, oh, this is actually quite good because, you know, you know, the moment the quiz is over, I'm at home again, so I don't have to do that that journey home. But yes. um, no, not done a gig yet. Um, I, I'm hoping that I won't have to either if, if things sort of going a positive direction over the next couple of months. Yes, yes, that will be good. I have got another one lined up, which is Bellowhead. I've done a reunion, who are a brilliant English folk band. And this, I'm, I mean, very interested to see how that works because there's about thirty of them. So, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I, I'm really intrigued to see how they pull that together and what they've actually done for that but um yeah i'm looking forward to that that's on the 5th of december i think that one is there's still tickets out for the bellahead gig i think if you want to go and see if you can get tickets for that if you're into that sort of stuff but uh, yeah very enjoyable there's lots of people doing these great online gigs and it's quite nice because generally they're done on zoom and if they're doing the stuff live rather than a pre-recorded thing they'll kind of see any chat messages you put up so they're kind of responding to the audience and stuff and it's uh, that's quite good fun and it also helps support these people that are, are really struggling at the moment because of the fact that you know they can't get out and do their proper gigs so mm. um, it is well well worth doing if you uh, if you see some online gigs it's a great way to just spend an evening and sit and have some fun so uh, highly recommend it anyway that's all the stuff we'd be doing this week let's move on to some tv and film news millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from noom like evan who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds salads generally for most people are the easy button right for me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. 
Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. TV and film news this week. We start off with the renewals, cancellations and pickups. It's It's been quite a slow week after last week's deluge of like cancellations and renewals. We've only got one cancellation this week. A fairly significant one, though. Black Lightning CW show oh. is coming to an end after four seasons. So that, I think, only leaves, what, Legends and The Flash are the only two left out of the original set of shows. Yeah, who's going to be around that table now that they set? up in the last crossover yeah dropping like flies the people out of uh, justice league thing that they were starting to set up because arrow is now gone supergirl is going but i mean they have replaced supergirl with lois and superman superman and lois whichever way around that is you've got batwoman but of course it's a different batwoman so there's her there is talk of another show potentially coming as well and the painkiller spin-off that we talked about last week that is potentially still going ahead so I'm not sure exactly the reasoning for why they've decided that they're they're going to cancel this other than I know its viewing figures hadn't been great I know a lot of people love the show but apparently out of all of them that was the one where the viewing figures weren't great so maybe it's just one of those situations where it was costing too much to do Black Lightning also doesn't shoot with the rest of them because they all shoot in Vancouver but I think Black Lightning shoots in Atlanta so there may be a cost issue associated with that as well that it is kind of on the fringes and it may be that if they're going to have to build new sets and stuff for the painkiller series i suspect they may move that to vancouver with everything else so i don't know the exact reason for it other than we do know that the numbers weren't particularly brilliant for that series and maybe that was just the reason but i mean they're going to keep on adding and removing things as we go along i think for this universe it's one of those things that the arrowverse the balantiverse the CW verse, whatever you want to call it, that I think is going to be something that keeps going in one form or another. And they're just going to have people drop in and drop out. And in most cases, they haven't killed off characters. So people can keep it open and yeah, yeah. and return. So yeah, so it's, it's a shame that that one is going, but there will be this painkiller spin-off, which will feature one of the characters from Black Lightning and maybe some of the others as well. We don't know. We'll have to wait and see. So that was the cancellation. No renewals, I don't think, this week. So we'll move on to the pickups of Van Dates and coronavirus stuff. One little coronavirus update. Richard Schiff, who we mentioned last week, was in hospital with COVID, although seemed to be doing okay. He is actually out of hospital now. He seems to be over it. He did say that he, I, I realise how lucky I am. Doctors took me through endgame scenarios and it looked quite dire. His wife and son managed to stay out of hospital, but facing the reality of losing your life is abstract until you have to look it in the eye and it's terrifying so yeah i mean it sounds like it did get quite serious for him but Mm. i'm I'm just glad he's okay and he seems to have come through it he's going back home now that must be a terrifying thing because he's he's not a young guy either richard schiff so i'm glad he's he's back and he seems to be doing okay they're already filming though aren't they are they filming like some of the medical procedure shows with a 
coronavirus take on it as in like they're saying it's actively in the season yeah there is a mixture we went through some of these actually good doctor starts off with the coronavirus but then kind of moves past it so the first couple of episodes are are about the virus and then they are moving into a sort of world after the virus and there's there's few shows are handling it slightly differently some shows are doing it with the virus some shows are doing it without some shows are completely ignoring it i mean obviously if it's you know historical drama or if you're on a distant planet or something like that of course you're ignoring (laughs) it but shows that are set in reality some of them are basing it in the pandemic some of them are post-pandemic some of them are pre-pandemic so it's a wide variety you are getting it things like this is us is dealing a bit with the pandemic and stuff with black lives matter the ncis is a sort of depending which show you watch you're either in the pandemic after the pandemic or before the pandemic (laughs) so uh, it's sort of interesting seeing how the various different shows that are set in present times are are dealing with it one good piece of news line of duty has finished filming season six so that has now wrapped hopefully we may see that quite early in the new year obviously they had a bit of a delay in filming but hopefully that will be back if they can get all the editing done fairly quickly in terms of the u.s there is a couple of interesting air dates that popped up for the u.s just so you get an idea of when they're likely to return over here the rookie now has an air date on abc in the u.s for its third season that's back on the third of january somebody asked me today do we know when it's going to return in the uk no although it usually runs about three months behind the US so that probably puts it into March you've also got to bear in mind that there's a lot of stuff that is going out in October November in the US which isn't going to start over here until January so mm. January is going to be quite packed anyway so my guess is a lot of the stuff that maybe is announced to starting in January might get bumped to sort of March April so we'll be running half of a season behind essentially which is it's kind of how we've always sort of run with a lot of the procedural stuff anyway it's just because we've not had anything really start the full season because everything started so late everything's kind of bumped by half a season essentially mm, yeah zoe's extraordinary playlist has also Yay. got an air date which i'm very very happy about on nbc that's and so will matt matt will be as yeah, well <laughs> matt will be over the moon i adore this show as well it's it was one of the best shows of the last 12 months january 5th that's starting on nbc so it will be some time after that on E4, hopefully at some point when they're sober enough to get round to scheduling it. We honestly don't know. I mean, you know how random the scheduling is on E4. Yeah, so, yeah. So. I just hope they keep it and they don't do Me what too. they've done for some shows and ignore it for a while and then everyone asks is where they is and they're oh, we've sold it to Channel 5. <laughs> <I'm> yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. I, I, so we don't know. I mean, they were concerned about money earlier in the year. They seem to have managed to resolve a lot of that and things seem to have levelled out for them. So hopefully we'll see them move forward with picking things up again but uh, we'll have to wait and see because I mean the scheduling at E4 has been atrocious this year and we, you know we're just going to have to hang on and see what happens a couple of other interesting premiere dates coming to America which is the Eddie Murphy follow up movie to coming to America the original yeah. this is coming number two America um, this is being picked up 
worldwide by Amazon. Rather than going into theatres, it's going to be going to Amazon Prime Video on the 5th of March. I think that could be quite fun. I mean, the first movie was was quite good fun. I mean, it was what it was at the height of Eddie Murphyness. So that's yeah. probably what late 80s, I imagine that was. I, I watched it very recently, actually. I want to say I watched it at the very beginning of the year uh, under the premise that I knew the second one was coming. And I'm quite surprised that it, Netflix didn't get it because they were on a little bit of an Eddie Murphy run for a while in right, terms yeah. of picking up his career. But yeah, I'll, I'll be excited to see it. But yeah, it was very dated, very of its time when I watched it at the beginning of this year. It was, uh, But it was a classic. It was really good. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. They've picked that up and it's gone to Amazon Prime Video. So that'll be the 5th of March next year that lands. Wonder Woman 1984. You might have been seeing things about it launching Christmas Day. That is in the US and it's going into cinemas on Christmas Day because that's the thing they do in America, um, which you might or might not realise. But uh, yeah, going to see movies like Christmas Afternoon and The Day After Christmas, that's quite a popular thing in the US. They're launching it Christmas Day in America. They're also launching it at the same time on HBO Max for people that don't want to risk the theatres. At the moment, it's still coming out on December 16th in UK cinemas. There hasn't been any announcement about them putting it on streaming on Christmas Day or anything like that over here. So we don't know what's going to happen with that. Um, it's a slightly weird one, but at the moment, 16th of December on in UK cinemas, assuming they're open, which judging by the announcements they've had today, it sounds like they probably will be. We'll see whether it turns up somewhere else. But mm. yeah, at the moment, that's where you, you can get to see that. Pixar Soul, which is the new Pixar movie, that is apparently landing Christmas Day on Disney Plus worldwide. So uh, that's not getting a cinema release. That's coming to Disney Plus. And uh, one of the little things, just as a follow-up to last week, we were talking about Wentworth Miller and his decision not to do another season of Prison Break because he wanted just to play gay characters. Daryl mentioned about the fact that he turned up in an episode of Law and Order SVU. That character is apparently turning in the second season. It's ADA Isaiah Holmes. What Daryl was talking about, about maybe he could come back in that show because that was a gay character. And uh, yeah, apparently he is. So oh. uh, you'll be able to see Wentworth Miller in the 22nd season of um, Law and Order SVU which is the one that he's coming up now. So uh, that's good news. If you're a Wentworth Willer fan, you'll be able to watch him there. In terms of bigger news stories, there was a huge amount of information that dropped out about The Walking Dead. As you know, if you're a Walking Dead fan, we have 30 episodes left of the main show before it ends for good. So that's the rest of the 10th season and the 11th season, both of which have been expanded. So the 10th season, they added six additional episodes, which they've announced are going out from the 1st of March. So it's around about the same sort of time where they would usually bring it back for the second half of the season because usually it will run sort of October and then late February, early March. So uh, what they're doing is they're running six episodes which are going out on the 1st of March in the UK on Fox. So 28th of February because there's no 29th of February next year. So uh, the 28th of February on AMC and then 1st of March in the UK so day after and that will be for those six episodes then season 11 starts October-ish at the end of 2021 that's split into three blocks of eight so that will be the first bit and then there'll be another bit which will be February March in 2022 and there'll be another bit which will be October 2022 so uh, that's how they're breaking it all up they've announced some casting for it as well for the six additional episodes Robert Patrick who you will know from um, Judgment Day, the Terminator 2 movie. He was in Perry Mason recently as well, and Scorpion. He 
was in as well. Henry Burton Morgan, which we mentioned a few weeks ago, he's Mrs. Jeffrey Dean Morgan. He's actually going to be on screen playing his his wife, and she's his real life wife. She's playing Lucille. Oki Emi Akawi is playing a character called Elijah. She's been in Cobra Kai and Greenland. If you didn't know where we left The Walking Dead or if you've forgotten where we left them, spoilers, obviously, for anybody that isn't up to date on The Walking Dead, but they were kind of all split across the different communities. Hilltop had been pretty much destroyed. They'd abandoned Alexandria to go and prepare for this battle against the Whisperers. Alpha had been killed. They end that series by uh, eliminating the Horde and Beta himself that they'd been bringing towards them. So these six new episodes kind of pick up after the events of that, and we find themselves trying to pick themselves up after the destruction that Whisperers left behind. The years of struggle weigh upon them as the past traumas exposing their more vulnerable sides as they question the state of humanity, the state of the collective community and the state of their minds. Will they find the inner strength to persevere with their lives, friendship and group intact? They've got some breakdowns of what to expect in the different episodes. First one is going to be focused on Maggie, who we saw return in what was going to be the finale before they added these. So we saw Lauren Cohen turn back up as Maggie. She's returned with a story that she's not ready to share, even when her past catches up with her. Negan's Jeffrey Dean Morgan safety is at stake once again. Daryl and Maggie fight an unseen and unknown threat. So that's the strap line for that one, which sounds kind of interesting. The second one is called Find Me, and that's an adventure for Daryl and Carol, who turns sideways there when they come across an old cabin, takes Daryl back to the years when he left the group after Rick disappeared and he relives the time that only Apocalypse could manifest. So you might be sort of seeing a trend with this in that a lot of the episodes seem to be taking the characters in situations now, but it's then going back and covering gaps in their story previously. So there is going to be, I suspect, in the Maggie episode, a bit about what she got up to when she wasn't with the rest of the group. It's the same with Daryl when he kind of left the group after Rick disappeared. You've then got a story with Gabriel and Aaron as they search for food and supplies to bring back to Alexandria. Small tragedies lead to bigger tragedies as faith and broken optimism is fragmented when they're put to the ultimate test. Eugene, Ezekiel and Yumiko and Princess are captured and separated. Princess struggles with the memories of a traumatic past and tries to escape one way or another with the help of Ezekiel. So again, that looks like it's looking back into the background of Princess. There's one called Diverged, which is Daryl and Carol again come across a fork in the road as they head their separate ways, each going into their own type of survival mode. The use of challenges becomes much harder. Will their individual journeys be the tipping point needed to mend their friendship or is the distance between them permanent? Clearly not, because we've got a show coming up, which is a spin-off based around Daryl and Carol. So clearly they're going to be back together at some point. And the last episode, which is called Here's Negan, which we were talking about a few weeks ago as being the title of an actual comic. There is a one-shot, well, not one-shot, it's like a six-issue run that was called Here's Negan. So this is the background of Negan and how he got to where he got to. So Carol takes Negan on a journey, hoping to minimise the increasing tension. Negan reflects on the events that led him to this point and comes to the conclusion about his future. So that is obviously the episode which will feature his wife playing Lucille in it as well. I think it's quite interesting what they're doing with this. It's sort of because they found that they had these six additional episodes to play with and it sounds like what they're doing is they're using it to flesh out some of the characters we know quite well, which uh, I'm quite looking forward to as a fan of the show. I, you're not watching Walking Dead, do you? you don't... 
Not one that you did. No, I um I did stop watching it after they introduced Negan's character in the, in the big controversial season, and I never really got back into it. Obviously, I've been keeping a slight eye on everything that's happening with it, and I've been reading a lot about what's going to be left, and so I can work out where what characters are going to survive based on spin-offs. <laughs> yeah. But um, I respect for it. I think they kept me hooked for you know eight years. I think it was eight years, seven or eight years. It was really good. But I just obviously I moved on. I just had different interests, and you know I found different ways to be engaged. And I, I recently did a, a podcast with Matt where he introduced me to Black Summer, and it was a slightly right, yeah. different way of telling the zombie story. And I really liked that. And I sort of then had regrets, like did I leave Walking Dead too early? But I don't really want to go back now to it, even though you know it's it's coming to an end. I just think I I wouldn't want to go back. Yeah, the problem with Walking Dead is after the introduction of Negan, and Negan was a great character and you know that was really their height and there was a couple of seasons after that where the viewership plummeted because it was it was just not well written and it was like walking through mud in places it wasn't until Angela Kang took over as showrunner after two seasons I think where it was like that and then Angela Kang took over really really turned things around the season where she took over was the season where she had to sort of deal with Rick leaving but after that it really was shot off in a slightly different direction and uh, just the pace picked up and it, it was so much better put together it's actually I mean yeah it did drop off in quality for a couple of seasons but it got so much better after that and um, it is well worth jumping back in again I, I mean you could probably skip quite a lot of those episodes in between and still kind of get back in maybe watch sort of episodes towards the end of Negan and the disappearance of Rick and then sort of get back into it from that point so you could jump a couple of seasons I think without missing too much if you wanted to get back into it something, something to keep at the back of my mind <laughs> yes yeah speaking of big shows Stranger Things have announced eight new cast members for season four they're really going all out there's a huge amount of new people coming into this some interesting names as well which you know they, they do quite a good job of stunt casting I guess I would call it for this they've picked up a few interesting people along the way and uh, you know people like Sean Astin and people that maybe only been there for one or two seasons but uh, they'd be quite good with the stunt casting in this if you can't remember where we left Stranger Things the Battle of Starcourt again spoilers obviously if you haven't watched season 4 but really what are you doing if you haven't watched it by now Battle of Starcourt so the end of that we saw the gang take down the Mind Flayer in a fabulous ending sequence but apparently losing Hopper played by David Harbour in the process Joyce that's winning a rider's character Will Jonathan and a now powerless Eleven are all moving out of Hawkins and say a tearful goodbye to Mike Dustin Lucas Max and Nancy. Meanwhile, there is a cutaway in the snowy hills of a Russian wasteland. These group of Russians seem to be locked away with a captive demigorgon and somebody they refer to as the American, which appears to be a very much alive hopper, although we're not entirely sure how he got there. So the new season, we know will explain a bit more about how and why Hopper is suddenly in Russia, having kind of vanished. And we also get a new horror beginning to surface in the US. Although it doesn't specifically say Hawkins, but obviously Hawkins is going to be involved in some way. The new characters that they are introducing, these are series regulars. There's a guy called Jamie Campbell Bauer, who was in the Mortal Instruments City of Bone, Sweeney Todd. He's playing Peter Ballard, who is a caring man who works as an orderly in a psychiatric hospital. Tired of the brutality he witnesses day after day, will Pete finally take a 
understand. Eduardo Franco, who's been in Butchmarked and The Binge. He plays Argyle, Jonathan's new best friend, a fun-loving stoner who proudly delivers delicious pizza pies for Surfer Boy Pizza, which is a great name. I love the names they've come up with some of these things. They feel very 80s, you know? <laughs> yeah. There's uh, Joseph Quinn, who was in Catherine the Great and Howard's End, who's playing Eddie Munson, an audacious 80s metalhead who runs the Hellfire Club, Hawkins High School official D&D club. Hated by those who don't understand him and beloved by those who do, Eddie will find himself in a terrifying epicentre of this season's mystery. So those three characters are going to be series regulars. We should be seeing quite a lot of them. Um, any Anybody stick out from that group? I remember Jamie Campbell Bower. I remember he's a really good actor. Um, I'm again, embarrassingly, I, I, lo- I left Stranger Things at the end of season one. <laughs> Oh dear. I, keep, I keep doing these things i should really try and pick up on the trends a oh, lot yeah. sooner uh, but i always sort of like i'm not going to watch that and then a couple of months later it's the biggest thing on television and i'm like well not again great <laughs> it is worth going back to because it's a phenomenal series and uh, i mean certainly for somebody like me who grew up in the 80s as well there's a lot of nostalgia floating around there but i think you know the 80s nostalgia stuff i, I really love in addition to those three they've got five recurring roles these include sherman august who was in Into the Badlands and Westworld as Lieutenant Colonel Sullivan who is an intelligent no-nonsense man who believes he knows how to stop the evil in Hawkins once and for all Mason Dye who is in Bosch and the Goldbergs playing Jason Carver who seems to be somebody that has it all he's handsome he's rich he's a sports star he's dating the most popular girl in school but when a new evil threatens Hawkins Jason's perfect world begins to unravel Nikolai Jurico who is ingenious and the Land of Blood and Honey portrays Yuri, who is a seedy and unpredictable Russian smuggler who loves bad jokes, cold hard cash, and a crunchy style peanut butter. And uh, the legendary Robert Engel, who you'll know from being Freddy Krueger, probably more than anything else in the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise. He plays Victor Creel, the disturbed and intimidating man who is imprisoned in a psychiatric hospital for gruesome murder in the 1950s. And lastly, Tom Wishlakir, who uh, you'll know from Game of Thrones as being the man that has no name uh, and he was also in the Jack Ryan series as well as playing Dimitri uh, a Russian prison guard who befriends Hopper he's smart cunning and charming but can he be trusted we actually already saw a glimpse of Tom because they released a little trailer a few months ago and they didn't announce him but you could spot him in the background in that back in February when life was less weird and you could actually step outside without a mask <laughs> again with what I mean by stunt casting they're quite good at sort of picking these big 80s icons and shoving mm. them in things just as kind of guest roles and recurring roles and stuff so Robert Engel I think is a fabulous name to pick up particularly playing a demented psychiatric patient I, I think hope that he doesn't get good. typecast <laughs> well I think he's a bit past that by now isn't he really but uh, yeah no great great horror legend and uh, you know I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how they use him in this it looks really good Next up, we have a quick note that uh, the Last of Us series, which we mentioned a few months ago, HBO have picked that up 
to order now. So uh, obviously based on the video game, it's from Craig Mazin, who was the person who created the multi-Emmy award-winning Chernobyl, and Neil Druckmann, who wrote the original Last of Us video game and Last of Us 2, and he, I think he was involved in Uncharted, I think was the other thing he was involved in as well. Great pair of people involved with the uh, writing on it. I know you don't video game, but I mean, The Last of Us was one of the most cinematic video games ever released. They've released The Last of Us 2 as well. They're two of the biggest video games of all time. I think Last of Us 2 is holding record for the most sales this year. So um, I I think um, having those two people involved, I mean, did you see of Chernobyl eventually? I can't remember. No, I didn't see that either. That, embarrassingly Dave <laughs> yeah see that's another thing that you need to watch because that was superb <laughs> if you don't know the background of The Last of Us of course it takes place 20 years after a modern civilization has been destroyed Joel is a hardened survivor who is hired to smuggle Ellie a 14 year old girl out of an oppressive quarantine zone what starts out as a small job soon becomes a brutal heartbreaking journey as they both must traverse across the US and depend on each other for survival it is sort of a zombie series I mean the zombies are kind of different they're, they're kind of mutated in different ways but uh, it is very much a sort of zombie horror series in that sort of genre but I'm really intrigued to see what Craig Masden and Neil Druckmann do with this because I, I think that's an amazing pair of writers teaming up together that are going to be in control of it they've got great stuff to work with it's HBO this should be really really good so well uh, that will be one to look out for don't know when that's going to land but uh, certainly one to look out for HBO Max has uh, also picked up a thing called DMZ which is uh, they picked it up as a limited series it's based on a comic book it's a four episode limited series so I mean it's very limited by uh, limited series standards because usually they're kind of six to ten episodes but this is only going to be four episodes it's set in a near future where America is in the midst of a new civil war the action takes place in New York City more specifically the island of Manhattan which has been turned into a demilitarized zone aka the DMZ as war rages between the remains of the federal government and successionist free state armies. Alma Ortega, a female medic on the island, is trying day in, day out to help keep residents alive while also trying to find her lost son. In the process, she tries to prove a source of hope in America that lost all sense of the idea and faces gangs, militia, warlords that control lawless no man's land. Throwing gasoline onto the flames of the conflict is Paco Delgado, who is the popular and dead leader of one of the most powerful gangs in the DMZ. He wants to rule the new world and will stop at nothing to secure the outcome. So yeah, that's the setup for it. The cast they've already announced is uh, Rosario Dawson, who you'll know from uh, the upcoming Briar Patch series, which is going to go out on Alibi over here, and Defenders, of course, as well, the Marvel Netflix Defenders shows. She was in those. She's playing the nurse. Benjamin Bratt, who you'll know from Doctor Strange and Law and Order and uh, things like 24 Live Another Day. He's playing uh, Parco Delgado. They've also announced Hoon Lee from Warrior and Bosch, Freddie Myres, who was in the L Word Generation Q, and uh, Jordan Preston Carter, who was in something called The Haves and Has Nots, are also starring in it as well. It's being adapted by Roberto Patino, who wrote on Sons of Anarchy and Westworld from the original comic book. 
he's also the showrunner on it as well. And Ava DuVernay, who did Summer and When They See Us, is directing the pilot episode as well. It sounds dystopic, but it's by yes. Ava DuVernay behind it. Um, and she is known for really picking good content to put out there. Um, I also like Rosaria Dawson. I um, have liked her for years. She was in um, the musical Rent, um, right, the, the yes. film version. So, yeah, I might. This comes on to Atlantic, which could be if, if they get Maybe. that deal. Yeah, yeah I, w- I would definitely want to watch this. Uh, hopefully, it will be one that comes on to Sky Atlantic, even if they don't pick it up and somebody else does, because it is a HBO Max series. So, it doesn't mean that it will necessarily go on to Sky. It is only four episodes. So, there is a fair chance that somebody will pick it up because it's a limited series. So, it's not going to be particularly expensive for them to pick up. Mm-hmm. Well, comparatively to picking up, like, you know, 24 episode season of something. <laughs> Lastly, Greg Bellanti is back developing more superhero shows. The latest one for the CW is Wonder Girl. This is kind of an interesting mix of things. It's based on the DC character created by Jolie Jones. It's a one hour drama, follows a character called Yara Floor, who is a Latina dreamer who was born to an Amazonian warrior and a Brazilian river god, obviously. Uh, She learns that she's Wonder Girl and with her newfound power must fight the evil forces that would seek to destroy the world. Now, Wonder Girl is a name that's been used throughout DC history. The young Diana Prince, Wonder Woman, used it in the uh, 40s and 50s. Donna Troy, who I think you'll probably know from Titan series, is probably the most well-known version of it. She was uh, in the sort of 60s to the 90s. She was about Cassie Sandman Mark is a newer version of the character. She first appeared in 1996. Yara Floor is a new creation, so new that she hasn't actually appeared in the DC Comics and didn't go into until next year because they've got this run coming up called Future State, which sees some of the big DC characters, their mantles being taken over by some new heroes. So uh, in the comic books, Yara Floor is actually going to be the new Wonder Woman rather than Wonder Girl. But for the TV series, which they like to mess around with these things, it's going to be... Uh, Wonder Girl. It's coming from Dalian Rodriguez, who has previously worked on things like Old League Betty, Lighter Me, and uh, 90210 and Queen of the South, where she served as showrunner for the last few seasons. She's going to write and exec produce the series alongside the various Belanti people. There's been an interesting shift with the DC comics recently, in that it used to be the case that we did used to get some characters that had been invented for the TV show, like John Diggle or Harley Quinn, in fact, was invented for the cartoon series and they've become popular and then been folded into the comics what we've seen both with Yara Floor and with Ryan Wilder they've started to introduce them into the comics before they land on the TV series although they're new characters they kind of synced them up together so they're sort of landing around about the same sort of time so there seems to be more communication between the comic book universe and the TV universe which is, is quite nice there was a bit of restructuring that went on in DC and it seems that this is the outcome of it, that they're working more closely hand in hand which is uh, is quite nice as I said Black Lightning is going as we mentioned earlier but this could potentially be a new one that adds to mm. the uh, Belantiverse another interesting character it's kind of uh, a, a, an underseen area as a sort of Latina dreamer character I think could be quite interesting now where do we go in having too many <laughs> <laughs> um, I still haven't finished Stargirl I'm a little bit behind I'm really enjoying it I'm just taking a long time to get to the end of it and it's just 
I don't know. I, well, it depends if this gets picked up for yes. a full take. You know, that's the other thing. I like the story behind it. I like that there's going to be some real alliance between the TV and comic. I'm not sure where this sits with me. I love Flash. Still my favourite. Yeah. Um, and that's that's what I will sit with at the moment. But knowing me, I'll give it a try. And then you'll speak to me 24 episodes later and I'm loving it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Because the problem is, of course, because she hasn't yet been introduced in the comics... We don't know what her personality is like. We don't know anything about the character other than she is basically a young, different take on Wonder Woman. But we don't know much more about it than that, other than that. I think it's an interesting idea. Uh, obviously, you know, we have got a Superman on the TV version, but they obviously, they've been reluctant to sort of properly use any more of the Trinity, which is Batman and Wonder Woman. So, uh, you know, this could be interesting. We'll see how this goes. Uh, whether it goes to series or not I mean, it may or it may not we don't know I mean it is on the CW so we're assuming because it's Belanti and it's it's listed as a CW show it will probably be connected to the Arrowverse but um, that may not be the case we don't know at the moment but we'll see so that's all the news we've got for this week let's move on to some highlights for next week or highlight as it is in this case <laughs> Highlights for next week on TV are, are somewhat lacking. It's very rare that we don't have really anything. There is one show for next week, which is The Magicians, which the fifth and final season is coming on to Amazon Prime on the 26th of November. That's basically the only thing in terms of new shows that's launching wow. next week. Um, <laughs> it, I mean, this is September, October, November will be when we've had tons of stuff releasing. But of course, with everything being delayed in the US, a lot of the stuff that is releasing October, November over there is going to be pushed to January February over here it's fairly slow I mean it's not as if there isn't enough stuff out there to watch I and mean, we had quite a lot launch over the last couple of weeks but um, yeah it's rare we just have like one thing so there is that one advanced air date which I did want to mention this week just so you can you're aware of it Raised by Wolves not the British TV show the big Ridley Scott sci-fi drama has been picked up by Sky Atlantic and Now TV that is going to drop on the 5th of December that's coming at 9pm on the 5th of December. It's going to start with a triple bill, although from the 5th of December at 2am, it will drop on demand. So that'll be Sky On Demand and Now TV from 2am. You can go on and you can go and download them and uh, they will all be up there. So uh, if you want to watch that Ridley Scott sci-fi series, which got rave reviews in the US, it looks really interesting. It looks very different. It's one that I know a lot of people have been asking about, but Raised by Wolves, 5th of December, Sky on Demand Now TV from 2am and then it is if you don't want to go and download it it's on Sky Atlantic from 9pm as well definitely want to go and watch out for on the 5th of December that's everything for this week and uh, unless you've got anything else you want to mention no that's it I, I'm looking forward also to the week after next I know that Big Mouth is on its way back on Netflix isn't it yes um, so I'm looking forward to that coming back those are nice uh, easy bingeable episodes that I could uh, plow through in a week so yes there is stuff coming up in December and uh, yeah we've got big things as well like The Expanse returning Tin Star Liverpool is back we 
we've got the new Grand Tour thing. And then there will be a ton of stuff, I'm fairly sure, dropping in January, February. So, um, you know, the start of next year is going to be particularly crazy because that's when things usually start over here. But of course, everything's been delayed. So we, we haven't got dates for a lot of that stuff yet, but we do know that they will be coming at some point, very likely in January. We're just a few weeks off of getting the big uh, Radio Times Christmas edition and a big felt tip pen and sitting there <laughs> circling things like I used to do when I was a child. <laughs> yes, yes, I remember it well. So, of course, uh, the online version of the Radio Times, if you want to go and see when shows are coming back in the US and in the UK, you can go to geektown.co.uk throughout the week and see all the latest TV air dates. If you want to get in touch with your questions or comments, email us on podcast at geektown.co.uk, leave a message on the website post, find us at Geektown on Twitter, on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash geektown, on YouTube at youtube.com forward slash geektown, and on Instagram at geektown UK. That is everything. We shall see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.